Hello, and welcome to another episode of Adam for Baseball. I'm your host, Adam. It's a Monday recording, not a Sunday. Yesterday was the Super Bowl, and just didn't work out. Just didn't work out. Um, got to see a lot of friends yesterday, so that was nice. But today, no friends are involved. Just me and this microphone and some cold, hard first baseman rankings. And not even so much rankings, but talking about the rankings that you're going to see when you get in there, right? It's tough to... It's tough to sit there and you're in a draft and you're on the clock and take these hard lines that you're seeing most people draw on the sand and say, you know what, I'm going to mess this up a little bit. I'm going to dig my toes in a little bit and I'm going to go this direction, away from where the party's happening. And not that far. I still want to be able to grab myself a hot dog if need be from the table. And maybe a cold soft drink. But I'm not partying where everybody thinks the cool stuff is happening. That's kind of what we're doing today. We're partying away a little bit. We're, we're going to challenge some of the narrative. You get fed a thing that's pretty good. It's honestly pretty good and it's usually on past stats. So what happens when you introduce a new line of statistics? What happens when you introduce someone who does not have major league experience? What happens when you give someone eligibility in a position where they typically haven't had it? Um, These are things worth looking at. And as we know, there's been off-season moves. There's... um, Clubhouses have changed, maybe some coaching changes out there, hitting coaches even. And things affect, those kind of things can really affect individual players. It's a team game, you learn how to win together, but at the end of the day when, let's say Freddie Freeman is at the plate, it's him, the pitcher, the catcher, the umpire right there. Right, that's really the, the the four focus. Yes, there's fielders moving around, there's all that stuff, there's coaches, blah 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 blah. But really it kind of comes down to pitcher hitter in that situation. A guy like Zach Gallon up against Freddie Freeman. He knows what he wants to do with Freddie. He does not want Freddie to get his arms extended. And can he execute? You know. So Let's start with our first baseman, and and we're going to continue with the guy I just brought up. Freddie Freeman is the consensus number one. He's also a consensus overall first-round pick. Um, I don't know if there's a whole lot of people taking Matt Olson over him, but I don't know if you could really poo-poo that idea. Like... What if you took Matt Olson overall seventh, where people have been taking Freddie Freeman overall seventh? 
Matt Olson's been going overall 16 or 15. Okay. And I want to once again, um, I'm sorry, he's been going overall 16. And once again, I want to just make sure I say this. Yahoo is what I base most of my stuff off of here. There's a little bit of Fantasy Pro's own things that they implement, but it's it's using fantasy, or it's using Yahoo Fantasy information primarily. Um, I have not drafted yet. We still haven't started spring training games, so I'm a little, you know, hesitant. My buddy Ruskin got in in a league with me. We are um, ready to rock in 32 days. Um, very much looking forward to the league um, again with him. I feel like it's always a good learning experience for both of us. Um, but let's go back to Freddie Freeman and Matt Olson. You're sitting there, and you are excited. You're in a new league. You're drafting. It's not a. It's not a dynasty. We're sitting there, and it's a fresh draft. Maybe against strangers, maybe not even against your friends, right? I, I want to assume most of us are drafting against strangers. And if we're drafting with friends, maybe it's just one or two, maybe just a handful, but there's a lot of strangers involved. Maybe even coworkers. I don't know if you do a workplace fantasy draft. I haven't done a I don't think I've ever done a baseball work one. I've done like a college baseball fantasy draft, but um you're sitting there, you have, let's say you have the ninth pick. The ninth pick. Twelve team league. So you get that ninth pick, and then you're gonna get what, the fifteenth? Is that how that works? You could feasibly, if Freddie gets slept on, if he falls to you in the ninth spot, you could take Freddie. And according to this ranking here, you could take Matt Olson. Two first basemen. Because I think you'd be taking, if Freddie drops to ninth in your draft and you take him, then you would be taking the two best hitters at that point in the draft, I think. Like if it goes off of last year and Freddie has enough information and what we're seeing in his time in LA is the power is not not as much there but he is the best average guy probably in the National League uh, consistently outside of um, Luisa Rice so let's say like I'm saying Freddie falls to ninth and then you take Matt Olson who could very well hit over 50 home runs again this year. What number of home runs does it need to be, or what, where does it bend for you to where Matt Olson isn't worth taking at that 15th pick? And th this is where the discussion comes in. This is where things get a little goofy. Is, was Matt Olson's season an anomaly? Will the Braves offense be as good as they were last year? Um, I just think there's there's a lot of stuff to consider. You also have to remember, Matt Olson hit 283. 
I don't think we were raising our hands and saying, you know what, I think, I think when the Braves pick him up, I think he's going to really come into his own in the 2023 season. Two, 2022, you could just tell he was nervous. The whole big thing with Matt Olson is what? He's like from that area, right? He's from that kind of area where I think Chipper was from or something like that. Um, he went 162 games last year, 608 at-bats, 172 hits, 127 runs, 54 home runs, 139 RBIs, one stolen base, and a 283 average. The only reason, the only reason that Ronald Acuna is higher ranked than Matt Olson, in my opinion, or any of these guys are ranked above him, in my opinion, is because they can steal bases. So if we were to take Maddie's season last year, okay, and then we're to look at Freddie Freeman's season, Freddie had 161 games. He had uh, 29 more at-bats. He had 212 hits, 131 runs scored, so more runs scored, 29 home runs, 102 RBIs, 23 steals, and a 333 average. That is crazy. Freddie's giving you everything. He had a 2020 season with over 100 RBIs and 131 runs scored. It's a product of that lineup, really. And he, I think he turns 35 this year, but I don't worry about that with Freddie. I think that the power could go up. I think he could have 30, oh, like a 35 home run season. I think he could get another 20 stolen bags. You know, I, and mind you, I'm seeing, it's saying 2023 statistics. I'm assuming that's, regular season, but I'm realizing that that could be like, that's what it's showing on Fantasy Pros. Is that, was that, um, hold on real quick. I need to look at Freddie's numbers. I just want to make sure that that's not including postseason. Weird. They give him a two... The stats are different. Like by like a hit, one hit on baseball reference to fantasy pros. Why is that? Let's look at fan graphs. What did they have for him? Um, so 331 as well. Okay, so 331 average. Not like it's a big difference. Still same power stats, all that stuff. Um, we did get news that Freddie Freeman's going to stay in that two spot. Okay. Um, this is where you have to make these decisions early on. Will Freddie Freeman have a down year? No. I think you can sit there and say, no, he will not. Even uh, Freddie Freeman was a guy that I I try to take every season if I can. That's my goal is if if I feel like he's I'm not having to do too much to take him, I'm going to select him. Even when he had a really bad season 
what was seemingly a really bad first half of the season where he told his little boy that, or little girl, one of the two, I don't know, it was one of the little kids, he told them that he was going to do better because they brought up his, I think they brought up his average. He turned it around, and that's when they poured it on. I think that's the year, that might have been his last year in Atlanta um, where he ended up hitting 300. That's how crazy his second half was. And that really that run he went on pushed me into the playoffs. This past season, he had the most hits he's ever had. He's also had the most at-bats he'd ever had. Um, he hasn't really had a short season. You know what I mean? Like He's never had a, a season under 117 games. He's been good always. He's had like a year. He only had a year where he had 18 home runs in 158 games. And you're sitting there like, oh, that's not that bad. And you know, want to know the one weird thing about him? Is he kind of strikes out a little more than you'd think. But it's not. He's so good at everything else that it kind of makes up for it. It's him being aggressive is the thing that helps him be good. Like, he's not like Javi Baez, right? His aggressiveness is just him just missing. And I think most of his strikeouts come even when he's doing really well. Where when he's hot and he gets struck out, you better be careful that next time up because he probably figured out what happened. And he's there's like no holes next time in the swing. You know, but he he has had some big strikeout seasons early on, especially in his career. He he struck out 171 times in 145 in separate seasons. Um He's become a better hitter as time has gone on. He's um, still tickling that 900 plus, sometimes even tickling you know over 1,000 for OPS. His batting average on balls in play was almost his highest ever this year. Uh, the first time he's stolen over 13 bases and he stole 23. So Freddie's doing these things. To when people typically say you're probably going to taper off, he's kind of just keeps becoming a, a like just a better all around hitter where he's so big and strong that he doesn't need to take big and strong swings. He can just make sure he has a better swing and he's covering more covering more of the plate. That's the thing. If you watch Freddie, he his plate coverage is so insane. For a man with that kind of like frame, he's a left-handed Frank Thomas. Frank Thomas in the prime of his career was one of the most beautiful guys to watch at the plate. He just, he did everything so well. His eye was so good and some people say, oh, the umpires never called strikes against him. He got a lot of... I'm like, well, if that's the case, it didn't really help the Chicago White Sox because they didn't really... You know, they were just giving it to him and no one was driving him in, I guess. And you didn't think Robin Ventura was good, I guess, but whatever. Um, Freddie's kind of doing this from the left side of the plate. Different swings and stuff, but um, I would not be afraid to take Freddie in the first round this year is what I'm ultimately trying to say. Um, I also think Matt Olson 
I'd have a much, in my mind, I think that logic tells you that Matt Olson will have a good year, right? He plays for the Atlanta Braves. He's still very young and he's very good. And um, I don't know, there's just something, you can kind of feel it, right? Can't you feel it that something weird is going to go on with that Braves team? I don't, don't get me wrong, they're going to look good, but I don't think it's going to be near what it was. It's just history says sustaining the kind of um, success they've had offensively is is very difficult with how good baseball clubs are these days. Where how the turnaround on pitching staffs, I don't know. I just think there's going to be some solving of the Atlanta Braves. And I, I just don't think they're going to be as healthy this year as they were last year. Just from the, the athleticism there, I, I'm not jinxing anything. There's just something in my brain tells me, be careful with Matt Olson early second round. Or even, I'm sure some people have taken him first round. Because if you look at his numbers last year, why? I mean, He's got the numbers for first round. He was fourth in MVP voting last year. He's a silver slugger. He's he's very, very, a very good player. And you know what else Matt Olson does well? He fields his position very well. And he's coming up on a year 30 season. He won't, I don't, he turns 30, I think, like right on opening day just about. A lot of people, I think, in Atlanta were upset when Freddie left and that Matt Olson was the replacement. And I remember even the rankings and stuff. They're just like, yeah, I mean, Matt Olson's good. He's in Atlanta, but he's not going to be that good. And, and, you know, he ended up having a 240 season, hit 34 home runs, 103 RBIs last year. In, or, I'm sorry, in 2022. Played 162 games. Because what he did last year, he played 162 games. But everything got better. He scored 41 more runs last season than in 2022. And on only 24 more hits. And maybe maybe I should wait that a little more. But it just tells you how good that offense was if he scored 41 more runs the year before <laughs> in only had that many more, you know, he walked more and stuff like that. But it's not like it was that many more opportunities. He was just getting driven in more. And will that happen again? That's This is the question I kind of continue asking. And maybe that you're sitting like, shut up and make a point. I'm trying to present things to you to think about. Not so much here's definitive yes take him there yes take him there because i don't think that's a healthy way to look at it sometimes i think it's i think sometimes you can say yes take freddie freeman first round i think that's just kind of a no brainer you you do that if if freddie freeman's sitting there and you have eighth pick you take him you take freddie freeman unless that's not your strategy and i talked about strategy a little bit last year in kind of my primer and kind of some of those opening ones. And maybe we can get into that um, once I do my draft, 
I have another one that I'm kind of planning, but school's school's pretty busy right now, so I haven't been able to do. I wanted to do a few drafts just to kind of bring some information to the table that way. But I want you to just kind of go through, and I, I want to reiterate, it's a thing that we talked about last year, and it's a thing that I kind of always talk about, is look at the numbers for yourself and, and look and see if that's what you want. Look at your team from last year. What did you need more of? And you're like, well, this guy got hurt and this guy that got hurt, this guy underperformed, and that's why I didn't get this. Okay. This year, when you draft your team, you will at least have two of the guys you drafted in your lineup. We're not talking about pitchers that are going to underperform, I think. I think you can almost always guarantee that, that you'll have two starting position players that are there opening day that are going to underperform. And you can almost assume two of them are going to be injured. So I think in your starting lineup, you have to be ready to replace four guys. So you either have better have good depth or you better be good at being ready to pick up guys from the waiver wire, which is ultimately, I think, what this kind of becomes about, is looking at guys that are not drafted or that you wanted to draft, but mm, maybe they're not ready to be everyday players um, right away and no one's really looking at them. You have them, you click that little star next to them and you put them on your watch list and you get ready to make the move when these things just don't go well. Okay? It's so many games. (laughs) It's so many games in a fantasy baseball season. And even for just one team, it's 162. But there are more days than that for fantasy baseball. I think there are... 184 days, I believe, 185, something like that. I and I'm not, I'm not trying to, uh, you know, get you to 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 worry, or I'm not trying to get you to, um, you know what I mean? Like this isn't a thing where I'm like, you know what? You're not doing well enough at this. You're not doing well enough. It's none of that. It's very much me sitting here saying, there's got to be ways you can get better. And there's got to be things you're prepared for. Like, if you really don't think, if you really don't think anything's going to go wrong for your season, then hats off to you. Also, you're probably in an eight-team league where there's just an abundance of players always. And no one else is paying attention to their teams. It just, to me, is unlikely that you'd ever get that fortunate. You know what I mean? So let's move on beyond our first and second first baseman picks, okay? Um, And just kind of keep in mind that this is where you win drafts. And, I, and it is once we get into later rounds, you, that round 10 on, and it might, that number might change for me, but you kind of get the point is typically you're winning drafts in later rounds. Um, do I believe that for fantasy football? I don't think that's as true for fantasy football. I have. 
I think it helps to be deep in most types of drafts. But in fantasy baseball, you have to be able to draft deep. You have to have guys that people just missed on and you crushed. Okay? Um, so let's take a look here. I just, I think I wanted to kind of, I think I kind of wanted to um, highlight something about my draft last year and who would have ended up. Um, so if we go to draft results and we go team and we go to my team, and this is the one I think I was in with Roskin. I had uh, Mookie Betts, Rafael Devers, Marcus Semyon, Corey Seager, Julio Urias, Zach Gallen, Corbin Carroll, Vinny Pascantino, Logan Gilbert, Clay Holmes, Alexis Diaz, Joe Ryan, Scott Barlow, Joey Manessis, Masataka Yoshida, Brady Singer, Kyle Raleigh, Ezekiel Tovar, Jonathan India, Jameson Tyone, Kyle Farmer, Herman Marquez, Riley Green. Okay? So that right there is the team I drafted. I do want to take a moment to say that's a pretty stinking good team. Good job, me. <laughs> so it sounds like a turd thing to say. Uh, Vinny Pascantino got hurt. I ended up with Nathaniel Lowe as my first baseman. Masataki Yoshida had off and on moments. I had to have guys that kind of subbed in for him. I'd, I ended up picking up Royce Lewis. I ended up picking up uh, Zach Giloff for the for the A's. My my starters for for baseball were were changing at the end of the year too. I ended up picking up Pepe out. I ended up uh, bringing in James MacArthur for my bullpen. I, there were things that needed to change. The, like I was pretty fortunate with some of my picks, and. I'm going to go back to it time and time again. I think it starts with your outfield. Make sure your outfield's good. Make sure you have a good one-two starter. Make sure you have two good bullpen guys that are going to get consistent saves on teams that are winning teams. They don't need to have the highest amount of saves, but they need to have the most secure save jobs, if that makes sense. You can have volatile closers, but... Make sure that that's not a guy you're leaning on, if that makes sense. Okay? Um, all right, let's go back to the list. We're going to kind of just go what um, they have here for average draft position. So we said Freddie Freeman, 7, Matt Olson, 16. We're going to kind of talk up to that 10th round. And then we're going to look at some guys outside of that 10th round. So after Freddie and Matt, we go Bryce Harper at 21 average draft position. Vlad Jr. at 25. Pete Alonzo at 27. We're going to stop there for a minute. That brings us to number five, you know, the top five first basemen. They have Pete Alonzo as a better overall than Vlad Jr. When you see that, I want you to just kind of think to yourself what causes that. Because that means 
that Pete Alonzo is a plus average draft position guy. If you're getting Pete Alonzo 27th and he's ranked 21st, that means they're getting value. That's a value pick, right? The number six guy, they consider it a lot of value based on where he's getting drafted. And I'm not going to tell you his name yet, but that would be interesting, right? If you see a guy that's drafted a certain spot and then early on especially. But according to average draft position, he's getting drafted 20 spots later than his his overall. Now, it's you wouldn't think six spots is a whole lot for Pete Alonso, but, but it is. So why is why is six spots big early on and why is Vlad going earlier than Pete? I think well first of all Pete avoided arbitration. I think we all know that. Um uh, you have to imagine you have to imagine the Mets are going to be better this year. They were such a failure last year. They were such a failure. Despite all of that, whatever you want to say about Pete Alonso, he still had 92 runs scored, 46 home runs, 118 RBIs. Everything else, yes, is frustrating. But when you draft Pete Alonso, I think, first of all, you're drafting him for home runs. If you're saying, no, Draft him for his upside and RBIs. No, your initial thing that most people draft him for, 99% is for home runs or because they know that he plays for the New York Mets and this is the first ever fantasy baseball draft they've done and they just know that they like the Mets. Those are the reasons. The 1% is someone's thinking that Pete Alonso is going to be a surprise triple crown guy. Okay, that would be, I think, the the thought in your head because he's had runs where he's had pretty nice average, but he's never finished like crazy. I think it was 271 the year before. And he hit less home runs that year before. And when his team was struggling, if you watch those games, Pete was just trying to carry the team. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. He was still like crushing the ball. He was also a very unlucky player last year. And then there's just no protection in that lineup for him. You, you, you know that you can be aggressive with Pete Alonso. And then it just looked like, boy, what a bad season he had. But if I if you told me my first baseman last year would have gotten 46 home runs and 118 RBIs, I'd have been like, that's awesome because I chose Vinny Pascantino. So... <laughs> And that's not what my first baseman got, okay? Vlad Jr., why is he going earlier? I can tell you why I think he's going earlier. And he's not always going earlier. It's very close, right? But Vlad Jr. is going earlier because he's more popular. He just is. He's a much more popular guy. Major League Baseball pushes Vladimir Guerrero Jr. more than Pete Alonso. Pete Alonso is a better home run hitter than Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Vlad is a better kind of he's he has that potential for for triple crown. I think he has a more classic triple crown 
type of batting. But last year, he wasn't great. So why is he still getting drafted high? Because he's a young guy. He's a really young guy. I think he's going to be 26 this year. So you're like, well, okay, it's not bad. And then Pete Alonzo, I don't know how old is Pete. He's still, like, getting arbitration dealings. So he's, I'm assuming he's still got, I'm assuming he's still got, like, he's still in his mid-20s. Now, I haven't talked about this guy yet, but Bryce Harper is going third. Um, he had a nice season last year. But why are we taking him third? I mean, I guess if he has a full season last year, then he is wild. But he's at an age now. He's starting to be at the age where recovery, if he has setbacks, it's really tough. It's really tough. And he's a guy that does scare me. And it sh- maybe I shouldn't be saying that. Maybe you should close your ears and say, ah, I don't want to hear it. Bryce Harper could be a triple crown winner this year. Okay, then think that. The Phillies, you know, they were they were really struggling without him. They didn't really actually start to pick things up until he came back. They even like Schwarber. Remember how bad Schwarber was last year? And his top 5, I think the clear-cut guys are like Freddie Freeman. And Matt Olson. I think that one two is good, but there's still a seven average draft position for Freddie to 16 for Matt Olson. And that's kind of a big deal. That shows you how much better Freddie Freeman is than Matt Olson, according to people for fantasy purposes. And Matt Olson being still five spots better than Bryce, Bryce being six spots better than Pete. And Vlad being two better than Pete. Now we're going to go to number six. And this guy will be, I mean, he should be a first ballot Hall of Famer, right? Paul Goldschmidt. Um, I'm assuming it's an end of the road thing for him. I think people really do think it's gonna, he's going off into his golden years now it's going to be those last last few years of just Paul Goldschmidt showing you some fun memories and all this stuff with a with a team that's kind of just slowly slowly falling apart and they're going to have to rebuild all this stuff in St. Louis but Paul Goldschmidt's still a very good player. And I'm not saying that he's the top two-round talent. And I know that he had, like, I think his worst average ever last year. Maybe maybe other than the first year he came to St. Louis. But he just came off of, like, a monster season that year before. And the Cardinals were really bad last year. Um, he had like some really interesting numbers despite doing poorly. Like he was doing things, I think really well at the plate 
And it just kind of became a another issue where he's kind of a different version of Pete Alonso, where batting 268 is bad for Paul Goldschmidt and batting like 219 or whatever it was for Pete Alonso is bad for him. Okay? Those are those kind of bads for those guys. Slugging under 500 is bad for Paul Goldschmidt. But guess what? Paul Goldschmidt... Paul Goldschmidt did that his first two years in St. Louis. He had under 500 slugging percentage. He had his worst OPS since his first year at the Cardinals. Very similar numbers once again. He had a actually a really great BABIP. Um, he stole 11 bases. Struck out the most since he his last year in Arizona. Um... But he, he's still a really good player. Uh, had the most walks since he was in Arizona. So the most walks since he's been in uh, St. Louis, I mean. Um, drove in only 80 runs. And I think still, once again, it's a product of that team. That team underachieved and, you know, Paul was being asked to maybe do too much and he was putting it on his himself. But this is a guy that I think is a real great value pick. There is a, you're seeing still high rankings, 45 for a man who's going to be, I think 37 sometime this season. And, but he's being drafted how maybe you should be drafting him 20 spots later at 65th, which is um, middle of like the sixth round. Right. Excuse me. Sorry. Needed a drink there. Um, and you're going to see why maybe it gets tough if you don't like Paul Goldschmidt and want to go later. Now, I personally, I'll be honest with you, I'm not going to take Paul Goldschmidt probably. If he falls to me, right? I'm sitting there sixth round and for some reason he hasn't been drafted yet that's okay with me it's okay with me because there's a guy that's technically going earlier than him and I didn't really want to and he's being actually drafted where he's projected overall and this guy doesn't even have a ball club yet and I really have a hard time believing he's going to duplicate his numbers from last year, and that's Cody Bellinger. Oh, boy. Cody, Cody, Cody. What says... One of the only things where I truly believe Cody Bellinger could have a repeat season to last year, one of the only things that could make that true for me is if he got... Resigned by the Cubs, then I'd be like, okay, yeah, maybe. Or if he like went to, um, um, what would be a good place for him, like the New York Yankees? How about that? If he was a Yankee, I'd be like, maybe, because I think that that stadium place. I mean, he'd be like a better Tino Martinez for them, right? Just that left field, perfect for Cody. But if he goes to like, where is he projected to go? Do they have, is it the Rangers are looking at him? Uh, 
They say returning to the Cubs is the most likely scenario. This is 12 days ago. Um, he's also been linked to the Blue Jays and the Giants this offseason, but a return to Chicago seems as most like the most likely out of those scenarios. If that happens, I think you could have close to as good of a season. But I don't think it'd be better, and I don't think – I mean, he had a 2020 season with almost 100 RBIs and 100 runs with an average over 300. For anyone, that's an insane season. That's a very, very good season. So you can understand why there's, like, hype there. But this is a guy that hit under 200 two years ago. Or, I mean, you know, in 2021. Hit 210 in 2022. Hit 239 in the COVID season. So this is the first time he had hit over 300 in over 200 and, you know, in over 239 since... 2019 since pre-COVID. Most stolen bases he's ever had in his career. Most RBIs he's ever had since that monster year in Los Angeles. That one year, I mean, it was he was so good. I get it. I totally get it. And then he fell off. Some real yippy type stuff that was happening to him. And I think he could add bigger years that or bigger numbers that year too, but he wasn't, I mean, he walked 95 times, which is a lot for him. I don't think that he's that kind of player uh, in 2019. He walked 40 times last year. You know what I mean? So even that nice of a season, only 499 at-bats. Remember, he only played 130 games last year. So, you know, he, he was really young when he was in L.A. And he's still a young man. But he's going to be, what, 28 this year? I think he's 27 right now. Let's take a look real quick. Cody Bellinger. Yeah, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, he's 28 this right now. He'll turn 29 during the season. Um, there's a lot there that's – there's just too many question marks. There's not enough consistency. So where would you take Cody? Would you take him early fifth round? Is that what your is that your thought? Because I I just don't see myself doing that. Also, that's not where a first baseman fits in personally for me. I either take Freddie, Matt Olson, or I wait. I don't think I'm really because I'm thinking to myself, you got to get those outfielders and you got to get your pitchers going, and I need those guys earlier than I need corner infielders. Right, so Cody Bellinger at fifty-two is just not a good spot in the draft for me either. Next guy. Now, I'm going to go average draft position. I'm not going to go overall because, man, why is it? It's not even rank like rank. Fantasy Pros has the – we're going to lift stuff a few guys here, actually. So, you know, we had Freddie, Matt Olson, Bryce Harper, Pete Alonzo, Vlad Jr., Paul Goldschmidt, Cody Bellinger. Now there's a bit of a jump, at least one round jump. Um, and technically there's a guy in here that has a higher – like a really close to Cody Bellinger draft position, and it's like the same as Paul Goldschmidt. Okay, and these next, I'm going to name off 
Uh, probably like, mm, we'll see here. Christian Walker. Christian Walker, okay. Tristan Cassis. Okay. Nolan Jones. And I want you to keep in mind, Nolan Jones has first base, left field, and right field. So first base and outfield eligibility. So this is the first... This is our first instance of a first baseman getting dual el position eligibility other than Cody Bellinger. So this is number two for that, but the number the first one out of like the big guys. Uh, Spencer Torkelson, Spencer Steer, who has first, second, third in outfield eligibility. Yandy Diaz. And a guy that kind of hits right on the edge of that first 10 rounds little outside of it is Josh Naylor, okay? And also, Yandy Diaz, remember, is first and third eligible. Okay. Got some stuff to unpack here. Technically, according to average draft position right now, it goes Freddie Freeman, Matt Olson, Bryce Harper, Pete Alonzo. I'm sorry. Freddie Freeman, Matt Olson, Bryce Harper, Vlad Jr., Pete Alonzo, Cody Bellinger, Paul Goldschmidt, and Christian... Nope, not Christian Walker. That is not who's next. In fact, it is Nolan Jones. Nolan Jones. I am a bit of a Nolan Jones fan. Okay. And it has nothing to do with him being a Colorado Rocky. It has everything to do with what I saw in his short stint for the Cleveland Guardians. Okay? Nolan Jones got to put together a fairly decent-sized season last year. And... He's one of those guys, you know, what he's going to, I think he turns 26 this year. He's like, I think he's 25 right now. He has first base and outfield eligibility. Last year he hit 297, had 20 stolen bases, 20 home runs. And then, um, you know, 62 runs driven in and then scored 60 runs. On a team that was pretty bad. He had a 542 slugging, 931 OPS, 401 BABIP. I mean, this guy was good and only played 106 games. 106 games and he had a 2020 season. Now, I'm even reading something right now. It says... He had a strong barrel percentage of 15.7, which is really crazy. But then they say Jones is a reliable source of power and on-base ability. This is where you got to be careful with anybody, any young player, unless they're a sure thing. And even though I really like Nolan Jones, I don't sit how, understand how we can sit here and say he's a reliable source of power. Not to say that Nolan can't have a good season and improve upon what he did last year, 
but the sample size is not there to say this is what he does now. Now, if you're like, well, I don't know. We've been seeing some good stuff in workouts. And all that. I don't care. There's not enough at bats with this guy who wasn't like a guy that everybody was like, yeah, he's going to do it. He's playing on a team that's not good in a stadium that probably likes him. But I don't think you can factor the stadium into this. If you watch him, he's a good player, and I think it's kind of a natural thing that happens. But you, I don't think we can just dismiss Coors altogether. I think that's foolish to do. Um, I think there is something to be said about a young player who's feeling good about himself and is hitting at Coors Field. There are some players out there where we can say, wow, look how good they were when they were in Colorado. And when they left, they, had, they looked like they didn't even belong on a big league team. There are guys out there like that. There are also guys that went on to have fantastic careers even after leaving Coors Field. So I don't like to give too much credit to the field, but it does help a guy who's riding a hot streak and feeling good about himself. I think it does help. It also helps because he was getting playing time and he knew he had it. And I don't know if there was really anybody that was going to come take his job away. I think he knew he could go out there and play, and it helped a guy like him. That being said, he is being drafted 66th on average. Oof. That feels too high. That's one spot after Paul Goldschmidt. So then you ask yourself, do I take Paul Goldschmidt or do I take Nolan Jones? The big reason to take Nolan Jones in this situation is I do not look at him as a first baseman. I 100% would draft him as an outfielder. Then you ask yourself, at the 66th pick, right in there, right to probably the end of the sixth round, would you take Nolan Jones as an outfielder? And I know that's not what we're talking about today, but I truly think that's how you look at it. Because if you're going that early and that's where you're taking your first baseman, you better have three outfielders that are better than Nolan Jones. Otherwise, Nolan Jones should be drafted as an outfielder. Maybe that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. But to me, it does. In my brain, it makes sense. Have a game plan. And for guys like Nolan Jones, they I think you have to draft them as an outfielder. I think you have to game plan for them like that. If you're game planning for them as your first baseman, you, I th- think you could be disappointed. Okay? He's, uh, in my opinion, a third outfielder. I think he's being drafted too high. But I do like what he can do. I would love for him to prove me wrong. I'd love for him to have a 30-30 season this year and continue to hit in the 290s. That'd be great. What a boon for, for Colorado that'd be. That'd be huge for the Rockies organization. I was telling, I mean, I don't want to get on it too much, but I told I told Rusk, you know, buddy, you know I was big on him. And I hope he continues to, to be good for, for your team. I really do. Um, but I do not see myself drafting him unless he falls much later. That's just too early, too early. Um. The next ADP, 
is Spencer Steer. Or no, I'm sorry, <laughs> Christian Walker. Now, Christian Walker is that guy where I said I wouldn't take someone at this point in the draft. But Christian Walker is kind of my exception. This guy keeps getting better. He's the kind of guy, you know, he's, he's, I wish he would have gotten extended, but he's, he's a lot more of what I want if I'm um, going first baseman. The problem with, with Christian Walker is he just had an arbitration season. He was kind of an older rookie. Once he got his status, his major league status, you know, he'd only had a couple games here and there. He was kind of up, down, up, down with the Orioles and never was anything. Uh, and then he comes over to Arizona and didn't really come into his own until, you know, um, 2019. And then, so like a lot of guys, that COVID season hit, and he had a, he had a season where he played well. Then coming off of COVID, he struggled. A, a lot like, there was a lot of guys like that. And then he bounced back that next year. So last two seasons, he's been very good, very similar numbers. So what we're seeing is consistency, but a lot of his underlying numbers are better. And a lot of that has to do with that lineup getting better. And I, I just, if you're a baseball fan, I think you know how exciting that Diamondbacks lineup can be going forward, and they could look a lot like the Atlanta Braves going forward, where you're just like, whoa, this offense is good. They're probably not as consistent, but they could start to see more of that, and that only helps Christian Walker. And, But like I said, the problem is he's not as young as you think he is. I think he's 32 right now, so he's – Still in technically what most people would consider peak years. And this could be his sweet number three, maybe his last really good season. So if his average draft position is 78, then I think you're feeling pretty good about getting him right around there. But only if that's like, if you feel like you'd be reaching on the next guy you really want. Christian Walker is a guy where you're like, well, I got my first baseman. And he could truly have as nice of a season almost as a guy like Pete Alonzo. So, I, and maybe that sounds crazy to you, but Christian Walker's numbers were very good last year. He hit 33 home runs and 103 RBIs. Even stole 11 bags, 86 runs. I'd like to think that he could have a 100-run season just about. That just has to do with him having a little bit higher average. If you could just get on base a little more, then you could really push that. You get in the 90s there for runs. So he's he's a very good value play, in my opinion. Now the next guy in the list is Spencer Steer, and right next to him is Tri, uh, Trist, uh, gosh, I was his name wrong. Tristan Cassis. Okay? Spencer Steer um, had a very nice year last year. This was a guy that my brother and I know a bit about. Um, we like. He is a four-position eligibility guy. Once again, I do not think you draft him as a first baseman. I think that he's honestly one of the best second basemen that you can get. Um, so I really think that Spencer has a lot of value on a team that's very exciting. And they could end up being an NL Central powerhouse if they can just figure out how to keep things together. 
a lot of the fan base was really down on a lot of the moves they were making, and they that front office looks like geniuses right now with some of the stars that they have on that lineup, young stars ready to blossom, ready to really do a lot of things. I don't have a whole lot to say about Spencer. Uh, just another guy that you don't draft for, as a first baseman. You draft him as a middle, you know, like a second baseman or even an outfielder, but possibly even a third baseman. I'd probably stay away from outfield with him. For some reason, I like him as a second or third baseman. Okay, now, and also it depends on your league. Like, he might be different eligibility. Like, so if I go to ESPN, what is he? Um, he's first, third in, in outfield. So on ESPN, he doesn't have that second base eligibility yet. And maybe he won't. But on Yahoo, he does. So on Yahoo, I really like a guy like Spencer Steer that's going, you know, you know, 95th overall. Okay. After that, we have, yeah, Tristan Cassis, another guy that's just a young guy, um, had a nice season last year, but I don't understand why he would be, he's, this is a first baseman. Okay. And I know, um, people really like him. He stole zero bases last year. He had 24 home runs, 65 driven, and 66 scored in 132 games. Um, 40, 429 at bats, hit 263. Looks like a nice young player. I have no idea why I would ever draft him like in, in the first nine rounds. It just doesn't. Unless he falls like later, I'm not. I really, he's of no interest to me. This is a guy that I'm sitting here like, nah, man, I'm good. You know, he's um, I think he's like getting drafted right around the end of the eighth round. So that's ooh, that's scary. Beginning of the ninth, stuff like that. That's just not where I want to be. Not where I want to be. If I have him as my first baseman, and I drafted him before the tenth round, I feel kind of bad. I'm like, ugh. Unless my outfield and starting pitching looks amazing, I'm not feeling great about it. Okay. After him is uh, Yandy Diaz and Spencer Torkelson. Yandy Diaz did a thing last year that we've been kind of waiting for him to do. He was a steal if you took him. That team started so hot. And Yandy Diaz showcased his dad power. He went full dad power last year. 95 runs scored, 78 RBIs, 22 home runs, zero stolen bases, but he batted 330. If he does that again, and you draft him where he's being taken at 105, and he has third baseman eligibility, if you get him before the 10th round, and he does that like same type of season, that's crazy. I just that's where I kind of get a little confused, but it's he's not affecting the um, so he's affecting three stats really well. Runs scored, RBIs. He had seventy eight. That's still a lot for where he's getting drafted, honestly. And so ninety five runs, seventy eight RBIs, three thirty average, and then twenty two home runs, which is still good. <sighs> But he's not affecting stolen bases. 
maybe it's just not enough. I don't know. He's a weird spot because he was on a tear last year where you thought he could hit 30 home runs. So and that team kind of tapered off. They started so hot, and it's so tough to keep that going. Um, I said the other guy was Spencer Torkelson, and this is probably my guy that I'm like, open your eyeballs. If you're looking for the next guy who could be a top five first baseman, this is your guy. I watched too much of him last year to not think this. This guy was supposed to be a star when he was drafted. He had a tough first year. I drafted him his rookie year. He stunk. When he made contact, it all made sense. This guy is so strong and he's so talented. He got to play a full season last year. He had 88 runs scored, 31 home runs, 95 RBIs. He batted 234. So what's the issue? The only thing is, is people think that's a fluke. His average draft position is 114. He's getting drafted right at that end of the ninth, beginning of the ten, you know beginning of the or I mean um, beginning of the tenth, end of the tenth, right in there, maybe late ninth. This guy is your guy when you're sitting there like I missed I missed Freddie I missed Matt Olson they just they didn't fall to me. I, I need to take this guy in the third round. I need to take this guy. I couldn't get Pete Alonzo. If you're looking for a first baseman and you don't want to spend that pick in the first nine rounds, boy, do I got a guy for you. And I don't understand. This team's only going to get better, in my opinion. And Spencer Torkelson is the big part of it. There are some superstars sitting in both central divisions, both leagues central divisions. The AL Central has, um, you know, uh, Bobby Witt Jr. Twins have Royce Lewis and, like, honestly, a bunch of other young stars, in my opinion. Um, and I talked about the Royals having, having guys. Tigers have Spencer Torkelson. And honestly, Riley Green's really good, too, like, they have guys. The Guardians, now that's a little bit more of, I, I kind of want to talk about them on a separate note, so I'm not going to throw them in here right now. But they have guys. I promise you the Guardians have guys. They just always do. They're such a good organization. And um, the White Sox are a little bit more of a question mark, but they also have dudes. But this guy, and, and now you know you have Ellie De La Cruz, Spencer Steer, who we just talked about, Christian Encarnacion Strand, uh, O'Neill Cruz, um, one kid I can't think of right now from uh, the Brewers, the outfielder that's going to be a star. You know what I mean? There's so much talent in these central divisions that are young guys because they – I just think a lot of these teams draft well and they have great farm systems. And Spencer Torkelson was like one of the first times where Detroit just drafted a sure thing. And he looks like a sure thing. And last year, if you watch, he's so stinking confident. He looks really dangerous. And he's got 31, what would I say, 31 home runs? He had 31 home runs, and his home stadium is Comerica Park. 
The only other guy that did that consistently in his home stadium is Comerica Park was a guy named Miguel Cabrera. So I know you're like, well, this guy hit 30 there. This no, I'm saying consistently, and I'm not saying Spencer's done it. I'm just saying how tough that is to do, okay? After Spencer, it's, you know, Josh Naylor, who's very good. Josh Naylor looks good. Then my, you know, Salvador Perez, but Salvador, you probably take more as a catcher. I don't know why that makes sense to me, but it does. Yainer Diaz is in there, but we talked about him with the catcher slot last week. Um, then you have Vinny Pascantino, and guess where he's fallen? Like uh, 12th, 13th round. Exactly where I want to take him. Coming off of an injury with a team that looks even better. Reese Hoskins is with Milwaukee now. So he's playing in a stadium that can end up being a dome, and he's going really late because people are scared off by the injury and not being with the Phillies anymore. But Reese Hoskins is a guy that can crush the ball. And he, he, right now he's going 187th average draft position. Nathaniel Lowe, 186. Alec Bohm, 148. Isak Paredes. 166. Okay. Ryan Mountcastle, 239. So in some leagues, Ryan Mountcastle's not even being drafted. Don't sleep on Ryan Mountcastle. Don't sleep on Anthony Santander. But Anthony, I'd probably take more as a third outfielder. Very good year last year. Does he have another one like that this year? I think. Pretty close. I think it's another nice season. Good third outfielder. There's other guys to talk about, but we're going kind of long. I know I rambled a bit and got a little bit uh, ranty, maybe just on and beat some points to death. I'm sorry for that, but I hope you kind of just see the way this is flowing. Because even like, I think one of the best first basemen isn't even going to be drafted. I really think. I really think so. How many how many rounds, right, are typically in a draft? Like so for a standard one, okay? You have 23 rounds, okay? So then we go like this. We'll whip out our little calculator. We got 23. Oops. 23 times 12. That equals 276, okay? Now I go, and I see a guy that is getting drafted. Um, not even close to that, right? He's, not, he's like not getting drafted in probably standard leagues. Okay, and I think he's very good, and I I just don't I understand he's had some some down seasons. I really do understand it, but and I understand like I don't know. I just get so frustrated sometimes. I understand last year maybe wasn't great. And 
maybe don't like his numbers typically. But Ty France is a good baseball player, and he he's like a he's kind of a Billy Butler type. And Billy Butler was like my kind of guy to watch. I loved watching a Billy Butler type of player. Hits the ball stinking hard. Really just has a knack for the game. And just some days you're just like, man, this guy could be be such a good player. And Ty France just didn't have – I mean, he just didn't have the season a lot of people wanted. Last year was the year he was supposed to kind of uh, blow up and just really be amazing. And the one thing that he does really well is he's a doubles hitter, okay? And I don't think that translates super well in fantasy. But if Ty France isn't being drafted, that means like a backup guy you could have is Ty France. And this is a guy who typically hits right around, you know, 18, 20 home runs. That's kind of where his peak has been. He's still in his 20s. And guys like this, typically peak late, okay? If you watch him, you're like, man, he's just a good baseball player. He's not a superstar. I'm not saying he is. But he's a good baseball player, and he should, in my opinion, be drafted. So he could end up being like a 25 home run, 85 RBI, 90 run guy with a 275 average. And if you got that guy off of waivers, I think you feel good. <laughs> and I think that's what he could be. And if you have those kind of numbers, that means you're a top 10 first baseman more than likely. And he's not being drafted. And he's on a good ball club. And I think he's going to make adjustments. I think he's too good of a player not to make adjustments and bounce back this year. So I'm closing on Ty France. At least have him on your watch list. Or even as time goes on, Maybe he starts to get drafted as like a last pick for some people. Keep an eye on that. If he's not, you need to put him on your watch list right away. And if you get an injury and you need any sort of depth or you see that he had a couple nice series right away and you're watching baseball actually, go pick up Ty France. Have a great week. I think this is our longest podcast ever. Um, Thanks for hanging out.